Section two of Snowball by Paul Anderson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Snowball by Paul Anderson. Section two. The countryside looked clean, full of hope and springtime. Now and then a chrome-plated monster of an automobile whipped past arches sedately chugging antique he observed them with a certain contempt an engineer's eye for the goldbergian inefficiency of a mechanism which turned this rod to push that cam to rotate such and such a gear and needed a cooling system to throw away most of the energy generated bob calhoun he reflected had a saner outlook not only was electricity cheaper in the first place but the wasted power would be minimal and the prime mover the capacitor itself simply would not wear out automobiles could be sold for perhaps five hundred dollars and built to last not to run up repair bills till the owner was driven to buying a new model the world's waning resources of petroleum could go into something useful generating power at central stations, forming a base for organic syntheses. They would stretch out for centuries more. Coal could really come back into its own. Hmm. Wait. There was no reason why you couldn't power every type of vehicle with capacitors. Aircraft could stay afloat a month at a time if desired. A year if nothing wore out. Ships could be five years at sea. You wouldn't need those thousands of miles of power line littering the countryside and wasting the energy they carried. You could charge small capacitors for home use right at the station and deliver them to the consumer's doorstep at a fraction of the present cost. Come to think of it, there was a lot of remote power in waterfalls, for instance, unused now because the distance over which lines would have to be strung was too great. Not any longer. And the sunlight pouring from this cloudless sky too dilute to run a machine of any size but you could focus a lot of it on a generator whose output voltage was jacked up and charge capacitors with thousands of kilowatt hours each generators everywhere could be made a lot smaller because they wouldn't have to handle peak loads but only meet average demand this thing is bigger than i realized he thought with a tingle of excitement my God, in a year I may be a millionaire. He got into Boston, only losing his way twice, which is a good record for anyone, and found the office of Addison, his patent attorney. It didn't take him long to be admitted. A dusty little man rifled through the pages. It looks all right, he said unemotionally. Nothing ever seemed to excite him. For a change this seems to be something which can be patented even under our ridiculous laws not the law of nature you've discovered of course but the process he peered up sharply is there any alternative process not that i know of said arch on the basis of theory i'm inclined to doubt it very well very well i'll see about putting it through hmm you see it's quite simple and cheap better keep your mouth shut for a while till the application has been approved otherwise 
Everybody will start making it, and you'll have a devil of a time collecting your royalties. A patent is only a license to sue, you know, and you can't sue fifty million bathtub chemists. Oh, said Arch, taken aback. I, well, I've told some of my neighbors, of course. One of the local teenagers is going to make a car powered by Addison groaned. You would. Can't you shoot the boy? I don't want to. For a person his age, he's quite inoffensive. Oh, well, you didn't want a hundred million dollars anyway, did you? I'll try to rush this for you. That may help. Arch went out again, some of the elation taken from him. But what the hell, he reflected. If he could collect only one percent of all the capacitite which was going to be manufactured, he'd still have an unreasonable amount of money. And he wanted to publish as soon as possible in all events. He had the normal human desire for prestige. He got a hamburger and coffee at a diner and went home. Nothing happened for a month, except an interview in the local paper. Bob finished his hot rod and drove it all over town. The boy was a little disappointed at the quietness of the machine, but the interest it attracted was compensation. He began to build another. Twenty-five dollars for an old chassis, another twenty-five or so for materials, tack on a hundred dollars for labor and profits. The clunk might not look like much, but it would run for a year without fuel worries, and would never need much repair or replacement. He also discovered, more or less clandestinely, that such a car would go up to two hundred miles an hour on the straightaway. After selling it, he realized he could command a much bigger price, and set happily to work on another. The physics journal to which Arch sent his manuscript was interested enough to rush printing. Between the time he submitted it and the time it came out some five weeks later, he found himself in lively correspondence with the editor. "'College will soon be letting out all over the country,' said Elizabeth. "'Stand by to repel borders.' "'Hm, yeah, I suppose so.' Arch added up the cost of entertaining a rush of colleagues, but his worry was only a flicker, across a somewhat bashful glow of pride. After all, he had done a big thing. His polarization theory cut a deep swath into what mystery remained about the atom. There might even be a Nobel Prize in it. It was on the day of publication that his phone rang. He looked up from his stamps, swore, and lifted it. Hello? Dr. Arch. The voice was smooth and cultivated, just a trace of upper-class New York accent. How do you do, sir? My name is Gilmer. Linton Gilmer, and I represent several important corporations in the electricity field. He named them, and Arch barely suppressed a whistle. Dr. Boyer of the journal's staff mentioned your work to one of his friends in an industrial research lab. He was quite excited. And you can understand that we are too. I believe I have some good news for you if I may come to see you. Eh, uh, oh, oh, sure. Visions whirled across Arch's eyes. Money. It represented a hi-fi set. A three-penny black, an automatic dishwasher, a reliable car, a new oscilloscope, a sun and air. 
Come on up, by all means. Yes, right away, if you like. Okay, I'll be seeing you. He set the receiver down with a shaking hand and bawled, Betty, company coming. Oh, damn, said his wife. Sticking a grease-smudged face in the door, she had been tinkering with the lab oven. And the house is such a mess. So am I, for that matter. Hold the fort when he comes, darling. She still didn't know who he was, but whirled off in a cloud of profanity. End of section 2